Ross Projects, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkoff, and I'm your host. On this podcast, you will gather 100% real, raw, and unfiltered life-changing advice to level up in every aspect of your life and business and help you reach your goals and dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the podcast, I have Andy Cabasso. Did I pronounce that correctly? That's right. How's it going, Andy? How are you? Going good, Ivan. How are you? I'm good. So Andy is a digital marketing professional, speaker, lawyer, and occasional wedding officiant. He is the co-founder of Postega, an all-in-one platform for link building and email outreach. Prior to Postega, he started, grew, and then successfully sold a digital marketing agency. So uh, I have to say that you're the first lawyer on the podcast. Uh, don't don't hold that against me. Uh, I'm not really practicing so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, yeah, the story was I actually I went to law school, and then while I was in law school, I realized that any of the law firms that I was applying to work at had really bad websites, and I could fix that. And mm-hmm. then I started a digital marketing agency. At first, it was on the side, and uh, we ended up being really successful. And then I was able to that kind of became my full time job, and I stopped practicing law as my main profession and uh, started and then like grew and then eventually sold that agency. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we, we jump into and, and talk more about that, you know, let's yeah. go way back and let's share a little bit about your story. Like, you know, how did you begin? Obviously, you went to law school, but, you know, let's tell the listeners and viewers, um, you know, how, how did this all start? You know, maybe take us back to like, you know, prior to your college days, like, you know, the young Andy, like <laughs> what were you what were you doing back in those days? Uh, getting into trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I feel like I have a very like common uh, entrepreneurial background in that like when I was younger, I was very restless and like always trying to start like I had business ideas. Like when mm-hmm. I was in school, I would, you know, would sell uh, I would sell uh, CDs or sell uh, T-shirts or something like that and had all all sorts of different business ideas and things that I was trying to run. Um, went to college, studied business, and got real bored of the classwork. So I started a, a business in college. It wasn't hugely successful, but you know, uh, got, had that experience under my belt. Um, then, you know, with the from the advice of some of my mentors who were like, "You should go to law school. It'll be helpful for mm-hmm. your for your business career." And then I went to law school and got wasn't really excited about practicing law, but. Uh, uh, ended up finding my way into digital marketing as a career from that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I think, um, the reason I ask one of the things that I ask about, uh, every guest on the show is about their story because, um, I think stories are so powerful because it kind of paints a picture of like, you know, background and how did you get into what you're doing today? Because it's so fascinating to see that, you know, like you were you were thinking about law school, you went to law school and then you were practicing and just seeing how things really just turn around completely, you know, to where you take an interest into something new. Because like you said, you know, you were finding all these websites that were broken and uh, you realized, OK, well, you know, there's problems here and, you know, I have solutions. You know, the next thing you know is you build an entire business around around that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's. I feel like it was just part of my mindset was, uh, if there's, if I saw a problem, could I come up with a solution to it, basically, mm-hmm. and then, but also aside from that, could I make a solution that 
could be potentially profitable for us. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so how, how did you approach that? I mean, obviously you you found all these websites that you know that, that were dysfunctional, needed some work, aesthetics, whatever. Like, how did you go about doing that? Like, how did you like? I guess get your feet wet in that arena. Yeah. Well, so at, at first when I was like. I, I was seeing these websites because I was in law school and I was looking to apply to work at some of these firms, but like it was a constant that every website I would look at because I'm preparing for an interview or preparing my cover letter, they mm -hmm. all have bad websites. And it, it, I was just like wondering what what's going on here? Is there anyone serving this market? And But also because none of them have great websites, there's an education problem here too. Um, yep. And I... Like, was researching and asking professionals like what's going on like is there not much of a, is there just not something that this market's interested in um and i had a a college roommate of mine who at the time was a freelancer and had a lot of experience with web design and we thought maybe if we could combine forces here we could uh make something out of this because sure. I, I think like <laughs> lawyers have money right and they could be able to afford and spend money on a better looking <laughs> website um and uh from that and from my background in legal like being this law student and then graduating law school i was able to better convey and better pitch our services because i really understood the pain points of that customer and that really helped us grow because I would do things like write content that was in a voice that they understood, that this audience understood. I was really writing stuff that they were searching for. I We were, we were ranking very well in search uh, mm -hmm. for things that maybe other web design companies weren't, weren't thinking to try and rank for, but that this audience was still interested in. Sure. So that, that really helped us uh, really get into the niche. Yeah, yeah. And how long ago was this? Uh, this was 20, 2013 or so that we started this. Okay, yeah. okay. So, you know, it's about seven years ago, obviously, and, you know, yeah. so much has really changed in seven years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just in the digital world, you know, I feel like these days everything is just so mobile-centric that... And not to mention is, is that I feel like the entire space is so saturated in all the different industries and all the different verticals. And, but that also poses a huge opportunity for more creativity, more innovation, more disruption, which is totally up my alleyway because I know, <laughs> you know, anytime I, I talk to anybody, you know, and you can, you can kind of get a good sense of like kind of where their head is at is like, are you thinking more strategically? Are you thinking more traditionally? And there's a lot of companies out there, like especially now with this pandemic, that are still really mm -hmm. thinking in a traditional sense in the way they market. And that's exactly the problem is that you're marketing in the traditional way. Like, you know, there's some companies that are still doing magazine and newspapers and TV ads, you know, uh, stuff like that. And it's just like, OK, first of all, that's too expensive. And secondly, is it's like your reach is so limited. Why don't you just invest it in the digital where you can not only, you know, capture more eyeballs, but you can quantify it even better, you mm -hmm. know, and um, that just sounds like like a smart, like a smart move. And it's very logical when you think about it, because, you know, we really live in a day and age where people are ordering toilet paper from Amazon, <laughs> you know, so it's like if you're aware of that, then you need to fathom the reality of, of where the marketplace is and how you need to market, you know, to um, 
B2B and B2C specifically to create attraction. That's ultimately what's what's what creates differentiation between someone like you and another digital marketer or another marketer really uh, as mm -hmm. a whole. Now, one thing that I really want to chat with you about on this episode, because I personally think is a huge, huge component, especially marketing, is customer mm -hmm. service. Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, you can never it seems like you can't get good customer service nowadays. In a lot of places, you cannot. That is very mm -hmm. true. You know, it's, um, it, I feel like anywhere you go, like any, any, you know, any business you really do business with, it's like it's like difficult. And, and you know, customer service can be like something basic, like saying hello or, you know, hi, how are you? Or, you know, responding to an email in a, a more of a cordial fashion, you know, which let's face it, that really doesn't happen without someone getting pissed off, you know. <laughs> So what, let's talk a little bit about yeah. customer service. We'd love to hear your thoughts so, on, you know, uh, I know one of the things that you had mentioned is, you know, customer service that wows people. So how do you go about yeah. that? So like you said, like, like you say, like so much of customer service is lackluster. And the thing is, like, the I think the fundamentals of it are pretty easy for people to execute on if you want to execute on it and you can hold yourself to that standard. Um, if you have decent customer service and it's simple things like being responsive to, to people's support emails, um, in a, just, just being responsive in a timely manner honestly impresses people a lot. Uh, I, over the years, I have, I have quit software platforms because their customer support was terrible. Uh, a while ago, we were, when I was looking at uh, a different, a particular payment processor that I'm not going to name, their mm -hmm. support was so bad. Trying to integrate with it with their API was so, like, we could not get so little feedback from them. Like, we would ask a question and they didn't have live chat. Instead, they had email support and they'd get back to us days later. It was just it was just such a bad experience. We couldn't end up using that product. But uh, one thing that I've consistently heard from our customers, which I'm really excited about and like very proud of, is that they are impressed by our responsiveness and how how human we sound. Not that we're like sending like robots or anything right. like that. But it, I don't think it's difficult for you to be empathetic to act like to acknowledge your customers acknowledge their pain point acknowledge that they are reaching out to you potentially with an issue and hopefully you can help them solve that um yeah big big picture i really like to think of really there are two aspects to customer service and i don't hear this uh other people saying this but like this is just how i think about it as uh, customer service, the two aspects are there's preventative customer service and then there's reactionary customer service. Okay. The, the customer service that most people think of as customer service is like support tickets and live chat and phone support. And that's all very reactionary. That's customer service that you get when there is a problem, when the customer can't figure something out. And so something in their workflow, in their using your product has gone wrong. And now they need to reach out to customer service. Uh, and yeah. there are ways that you can handle that well. But before that, I think there is this aspect of preventative customer service, making sure they have a good experience, uh, keeping them happy, doing things like having uh, like really having a good onboarding process for your product, making sure it doesn't have bugs and making sure that people can potentially solve, like 
solve their own problems, having help docs and videos and things like that, so they don't end up getting to that reactionary stage of needing to reach out for support. And that all improves your customer experience. Um, you mentioned something really interesting, so preventative customer service. And I actually want to take it back for a second. So you said yeah. the word human because um, you know this is a core element. Human is a core element of my business. In fact, uh, positioning myself as a human marketing brand <laughs> is something that I re recognized, you know, um, just through, you know, the 15 years of being in the agency world alone, because yeah. like you said, there was a lack of empathy. And when you think about it, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're selling tires or you're selling marketing services, you have to have a sense of empathy. You know, you have to right. truly care about your customers. And, um, you know, so that was, uh, I feel like that that's something that, especially in the marketing space is missing because there's just too much fluff. And it's hard to come about where, you know, you run into, you know, uh, someone who's truly empathetic and cares about their customers. They really want to build those solid relationships because they understand the importance of longevity. And um, for me personally, as this, I've always been a logic dude. Like I never mm -hmm. was really huge into marketing lingo. But what <laughs> I've understood is this time, it's the logic and emotion that people will always appreciate most than anything else. You know, whether you're building a website or you're running a paid campaign or social or, or writing content, you know, they'll always appreciate the logic and the emotion first and foremost because they buy because of the emotion. So mm -hmm. you could be the shittiest marketer on the face of the planet, <laughs> but if you're the most empathetic, and most logical, and most caring, they'll pay you all day long because you can connect with them on that level. Now, um, I want to share one story, actually, when you were talking about preventative customer service uh, as a prime example, and um, I might be putting my foot in my mouth on this one, but it's actually very <laughs> ideal, and it has to do with Zoom. So about six months ago, I believe it was, um, so I've had to set up another Zoom account, Okay. and the first Zoom account, I was having technical problems, and I sent a support email to Zoom saying, hey, I'm having problems, yeah. and basically the response that I got back was, you're small potatoes. We're dealing with enterprise clients right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you didn't realize that without small potatoes, you wouldn't have enterprise clients, right? So like it's the, the, the flawed logic behind it. Of course, I'm sticking to Zoom because I feel like it's almost like a catch-22 situation because <laughs> they have one of the most you know innovative platforms when it comes to like video and video processing right mm -hmm. now. In fact, I think everybody and their mom's communicating on Zoom these days. You know, but the thing is, if you found a platform, like if a platform, you became aware of a platform that had good customer service and had remotely near the capabilities that Zoom mm -hmm. has, you'd probably jump to that in a heartbeat because now exactly. you are not married to Zoom and you're not yeah. going to be an evangelist and you're not going to tell people, oh, hey, you got to use Zoom. You are begrudgingly using Zoom. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and I, that feeling kind of kind of faded away. But you're absolutely right. Is this that if there was a platform and there are others out there that I've used, but I feel like it's probably the most seamless one. And that's why I've stuck mm -hmm. with it. But you're spot on. Is this that that customer service, you know, like you said, the preventative could have happened, but mm -hmm. the initiative wasn't taking. And, you know, honestly, from every single successful person that I've ever interviewed is this that mm. they talk about that customer service. They talk about relationships. They talk about that before you even get to do any work is this that you have to do the basics of things and mm. you got to be empathetic and connect with people and spark that emotion. Uh, also, because yeah. 
you know, they're they're not going to pay you if you can't even do those basic things, because let's face it. And I, I talk a lot about this, too, is there's three reasons why we do business with people. It's mm. likability, trust and value. And if you can accomplish those those three things, then <laughs> you're not going to be able to accomplish any marketing campaign. So uh, I'd love to hear more thoughts, you know, from yeah. you. So you made an excellent point about, you know, preventative uh, customer service. But what other things yeah. would you advise, you know, not just in the marketing space, but just really in any industry that pertains to good customer service? Sure. Um, so from the like very beginning, so like I like I said, like with I have preventative customer service and reactionary and preventative is all about like the very beginning of your customer's journey when they first find out about you um, to when they are starting to check out your project, your product and possibly self onboarding if you have a SaaS and if that's an option. Um, and basically what I want to make sure that you that at very first do is that you set proper expectations. And I learned about this a lot in the agency world and that I find that the biggest reason that clients and customers are unhappy is because their ex expectations exceed their experience. They are expecting more and getting less than they think they're going to get. Yeah. Like if you buy a cheap product without any more information, you're just going to judge it as a cheap product. But if you have, buy an expensive product, you're going to have higher expectations for it. Like if you bought like uh, some cheap knockoff product and it breaks and you're like, well, I only paid a certain amount for it. I sure. guess I am not too disappointed. But if I'm going to pay, be paying a lot of money for something and it, I'm going to assume that it's going to be better quality. And, and if it doesn't live up to that, then I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. So, but like with without your early intervention in setting these right expectations, your clients will form their own expectations and that you are going to then have to live up to. But you can actively help shape those expectations from the beginning. And so if you have a sales team, if you have any sort of sales activities at all, if, it, if it's not a, even if it's a, well, even if it's a product where your customer onboards themselves, they're going to be seeing your marketing messages. And if you're just saying how easy and great this product is, they're going to be thinking in their heads, okay, this is easy and great, and I'm going to get what I want from it. And if they, they don't then get those that they're expecting, then they're going to be unhappy. Um, with my experience in an agency, uh, for example, we ha uh, I've definitely seen salespeople who are very go for this sale, promise the moon and promise everything and oversell, uh, have that kind of attitude just so they can get the sale. But right. then the problem is your team can't deliver on that. And if your team can't deliver on that, that customer is going to churn very quickly. They're going to be unhappy and they may tell their friends, don't use this product, don't hire this agency. So right at the very beginning of the whole experience, it's important that you, while you want to obviously really sell your service and your product, you can't, you have to really need to set align the expectations properly. Right. And if, if there is something that, uh, like the customer or client needs to do and be involved with to achieve, to help them achieve the successful outcome that they want, then you have to get them involved in that and make them understand what the onboarding process is and, uh, like educate them there. Yeah. 
No, <clears throat> that's absolutely spot on. And um, I just wanted to allude on that, actually, yeah. because um, you mentioned the word expectations. And I think mm. that expectations are just wildly insane for most <laughs> clients because they think that, you know, um, let's say they're paying you 5K a month for marketing yeah. services, but they really think that they're getting 50K worth of work because mm -hmm. they're really setting that kind of an expectation. And I think a lot of it, actually, what I've found is this that if you spark such high excitement where, you know, okay, where you're, they're signing the contract, you know, first payment is about to come in. They're excited about the relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've, you've maybe outlined, you know, the scope of work, they see the scope of work, but they're still so excited. You know, I think it's really important to ensure that, you know, you keep them grounded to understand, okay, well, our SOW, you know, says yeah. X, Y, Z. And you also mentioned delivering on those expectations. Now, one thing in the marketing space specifically, mm -hmm. I know is true, is just that you're always going to have some shortcomings because you're a human being, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the inevitable will happen, whatever, you know, and but it's important also to stick to those expectations as close as possible because mm -hmm. it will hold your feet to the fire, so to speak, when the time comes. Yeah. And they will say, Absolutely. well, you promised me this, but you didn't deliver that. And what I've actually found actually so interesting about that is that mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that always over delivers beyond scope mm -hmm. of work. And it's gotten to the point where it's like, I need to really like dial it back and be like, okay, well, if they're paying for, you know, 5k a month and I'm doing almost 10k worth of work, I've got no profitability. You yeah. Know? So, and with agencies in particular, that's like a big, big problem with whether any kind mm -hmm. of marketing service, whether you're a freelancer, an agency, anyone, there's all of that scope creep because you want the customer to be happy, but, but like going beyond the scope of what you can deliver is going to make them not a profitable client for you. And it's going to be ultimately in the end, it's not going to work out because you're going to want to drop them as a client. You're going to like, it's just like, you're like, I'm doing the math here and right. I'm spending all my time with this client. So like in your statement of work, having very specific deliverables, like if they're getting a certain amount of content a month, let's say delivering that content and being very kind of clear from the beginning, like mm. don't let, if they, if they're not paying for social media promotion, not giving that to them because you definitely, I've definitely also seen them as I'm sure you have, you get the client signed on, they're excited about this plan that you've outlined for them. And then they see something off in the distance. Hey, I heard about this new marketing thing. Can we add this? Can we try this out? <laughs> or I have this new marketing tool that I got uh, or, or something like, can you add this in? Can you do this? Or I want to have a podcast now. Can you help me syndicate my podcast? And it's just, yeah, it's, it's way beyond. You know, one thing that I actually wanted to mention about that and now thinking about yeah. it is, is um, you know, I'm 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 a firm believer that, you know, always go be above and beyond call of duty because mm -hmm. um, that shows that you're being proactive and solution oriented. And um, one thing that I've gotten to thinking about, is especially with, you know, some of the long term clients that I've been working with coming up on, you know, over a year or close to a couple of years is this that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, exactly what you said is, is like, uh, for example, you know, we have a podcast. Can you help us syndicate our podcast? Maybe do it video. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, OK, how much is this really going to cost me in terms of time, writing, implementation and management? And mm -hmm. I, I budge in most cases, you know, I'll budge. But then what I've realized is that, OK, if I'm budging and this is above and beyond scope of work, I just need to become. And this is a suggestion from a customer service standpoint is 
um, become more documentative in those initiatives mm-hmm. because by doing that, you can actually use that as a chip on your shoulder. Because sure. when push comes to shove, let's face it, push come to shove will come <laughs> one day or another, whether you like it or not. You're going to say, well, you remember like that one time you asked me to syndicate your podcast, but it wasn't really part of the scope of the work. And it's amazing what happens <laughs> when the client's like, oh, okay, okay, we see your point. So one thing I I like to do, like if you are going to do something that is beyond the scope, Mm -hmm. acknowledge it at the moment when it's happening. Like, like, hey, you mentioned that you want us to syndicate your podcast. Listen, normally this is not something that we do. This obviously is not in your contract, but we want to help you get better. We want to help you get these results that you're looking for. Uh, We can, we'll make, we're going to make an exception this one time. Uh, and we're going to do this for you. And then usually like get them to acknowledge that and they'll be much more appreciative of it. Because if you just say like, all right, I guess we're syndicating a podcast now without you acknowledging that and making yeah. it known that this is outside the scope, then it becomes an expectation from from them automatically. Right. And they're going to assume it's baked in and they assume that this is something that you do for everyone. And then they're going to take it for granted. And then if you don't deliver amazing results for that podcast indication thing that you did, that was uh, that they assume now is part of the plan, then they're going to be unhappy. Yeah. No, that's an excellent point. Is this just that it's important to iterate it? It's important to, and and that's one thing that I have learned personally. Is this <laughs> that, uh, and in fact, you know, I have a few situations currently where I'm just like, okay, uh, I'm going to budge, but then I'm going to document this, and I might even consider going as far as a change order, so to speak, mm. and say, okay, well, I just need to have something, uh, you know, in in writing that has a signature that says, you know, this is a change order to the scope of work meaning it's not in the scope of work. Mm-hmm. And here's the mutual agreement just something like in a paragraph, something simple, you know, that has an executed signature from both parties, myself and the client. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what I've realized is just that this can be good and bad. I think from a customer service standpoint is that it can be a catch 22 situation because damn, if you do, damn, if you don't, because you kind of want to, you know, on one side, you're thinking like, okay, I want to retain the client. You know, I want to go above and beyond the call of duty. But then you're thinking like, okay, like how much time is this really going to cost me? Is it profitable? You know, I might do it in the short term, but long term doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. it poses all these additional questions. And I think now that we're talking about customer service, it really is tedious in that sense, because you know, you are looking for retention, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the more longevity yeah. you have with a client, the better the relationship is, right? But that can be very challenging, especially now with this pandemic is like, mm-hmm. I feel like so many companies are cutting back and they're trying to revive. And uh, it's also creating a lot of insecurities and uncertainty uh, as well, which really makes them question their initiatives, mm-hmm. you know, of like, Okay, well, should we shift our marketing dollars? Like you said, there's something out there like in the green pasture that they heard about, you know, that they need to do or like, you know, um, I actually had a a client, you know, who um, uh, I opposed them to partner with uh, an outsourced company Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, uh, it wasn't because it was an outsourced thing as much as it said, look, you've got a time difference and you've got a language barrier. Those are two things that I mean, I'm an immigrant and I know what that feels like, honestly. And I'm telling you right now that they are not going to deliver uh, upon your expectations. Well, long story short, three months later, <laughs> I'm the guy that's I hate to say I told you so, of you course. know. 
And now it's like, Ivan, to the rescue. You're going to fix our problem. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'll fix them, but it's going to cost. I'm not going to do it for free because mm-hmm. I advised you against this partnership. I advise yeah. you not to go down this route. And whether or not, you know, my point of contact, you know, had, you know, uh, a decision or authority to make over this or mm-hmm. someone in upper management still, it was a bad decision, but that's just said, I feel like in marketing and I would love to hear your thoughts on this is just that bad decisions and customer service happen all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like we're saying, like the best thing that you can do, uh, if you're in customer service, if you're, well, everyone is in customer service that is that is customer facing and if you're not customer facing you should at the very least be thinking about customer service and what the customer's experience is going to be like um so yeah like we're saying it's very important that uh that in your communications with your customers you that you are honest with them that you that you make sure that they acknowledge when you are going above and beyond and because otherwise they're not going to necessarily appreciate it. Um, right. and, there, and there are uh, a few other things that I've found that also have been very helpful. Like we've talked earlier about like having that human tone and empathy and, and approach um, in particular with like reactionary customer service. So like we're, t- we're kind of talking now about when a customer wants a change or wants something different. Um, and so they're reaching out to you with, with a challenge and hoping that you can address it. So, Generally, that's something that I want to do immediately is like if I got an email and I'm like terrified of it because of the email is like, hey, I want like if I'm at an agency, like, hey, I want to change my service and add this and this and this. Uh, please shift. I know that you may have written uh, 12 blog posts for our website, but instead I want to do a podcast now and I want you to help me syndicate it. Uh, go do that. So very yeah. first thing, uh, first thing to do is as you're applying acknowledge them and acknowledge like just something as simple as hey thanks for reaching out um that that's a line that i probably use in every single one of my reply messages to uh people who reach out to me related to support just uh, i appreciate you thank you for reaching out all right um yeah and uh i here is here is what i'm like sometimes reiterating the problem i hear that you are saying so you're saying that you want to do this because you want to get this result. So like you want this, let's break down why. Um, and that's if that kind of situation presents itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, all right. And with, with this, I try and be direct, but not defensive. I, I, I definitely know. And it's, it's tempting, uh, uh, I've, and I've made this mistake in the past and I've gotten a lot better over time is there's a tendency in, in marketing that we get very defensive and protective over our work. Um, and so that can come across in our emails too. But if you get defensive, then the customer is going to get defensive and it's creating this tension where there doesn't need to be one. The ultimate goal here is for you to resolve this issue. So instead of being on the defense and saying no, you're wrong, or 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 no, we're doing this because this, this, and this. There's a tone that you can take where you're where you're where you are responsive to their questions, and really the ultimate with with taking it from the, the lens of let's solve this problem together. 
is much better than it being a taking the, the us versus them, you versus me approach of you want this change. I'm not going to make this change. I'm doing the right thing here. Yeah. No, uh, one thing that actually came to mind when you were mentioning this is uh, talking about a, a collaborative, you know, uh, solution oriented approach mm-hmm. is um, uh, acknowledgement is what came to mind. I think a lot of customers just really want to be acknowledged, you know, to be heard that, you know, mm-hmm. that they have a problem, whether it's a client or, you know, just customer service, really, like in any industry for that matter, like phone support, like I know 99% of the time, like, uh, like my uh, internet service provider or something, which I despise, honestly, but it's the only one that I have my <laughs> of choice course. in where I live. And so like, you know, there, there will be like an outage, you know, I, I was out of town on a business trip a week ago. Mm-hmm. And like, it just randomly went out. It was like, you know, five o'clock in the evening or something. And I'm getting texts from my wife and she's like, oh, the internet is out. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm looking at my phone and like, there's no outage report. I'm like, great. So it was out for like two hours with no outage mm-hmm. report. And, you know, calling customer service is like literally looking for a needle in a haystack, you know, and like what's really, really frustrating is is that there's actually companies out there, a lot of technology companies that tend to get away with that and Mm. consumers still buy into the product because it almost seems like they're creating like a sort of a catch 22 situation where you don't have an alternative. We're like, well, they're well, the only ISP in my neighborhood, so I can't well, get anybody that, else. That works for them when it is a monopoly sort of situation. If mm-hmm. you know, if you only have Comcast or Verizon in your neighborhood, then you have to go with them, and they can provide terrible customer support because you have no alternative. Yeah. If you're if you're in a space where there is competition, like if you're doing marketing, right. there are millions of marketers out there. And if you don't do a good job, if you don't have good customer service, your customer is going to go elsewhere. Right. So, right. No, that's so it's, absolutely yeah. agree. Now, the flip side of that acknowledgement that I actually wanted to mention is this that, uh, and this is very true in marketing, is this that when you're doing customer service and usually rectifying a dilemma about maybe scope of work or something, mm-hmm. and, you know, here's the customer and they're just, you know, belching at the top of their lungs and saying, well, no, you know, we we're promised this and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's very frustrating because what I found is sometimes a client thinks that expectations are certain expectations and they Mm. have a completely misconstrued perception of the reality because, and, and I kind of talk about this, I've I've done an entire episode on this, that there's technically three realities. And I think it's essential (laughs) in customer service and marketing. There's your reality. There's my reality. (laughs) There's the reality of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's very common, as you know, this with clients in the marketing spaces is that, well, they want something. They think that it's in the uh, SOW, right? And you're like, no, it's not in the SOW. Do you see it anywhere? Like, does it have any <laughs> reference to it? Well, no, like, you know, it is in the SOW. It's like, no, it's not, but we can add it, obviously. So how do you handle, my question to you is like, mm-hmm. how do you handle a, a pressing client that is so assertive about, you know, thinking that, okay, something is in the SOW, but it's not. And so how do you go mm-hmm. about rectifying that? The, those are my least favorite situations. When someone is mm-hmm. like, I'm a point to the contract. If you are getting to a situation where it's, let's look at the contract, you're in a very bad place. Um, yeah. Things are typically very contentious. Um, but I have worked with people who handle that 
very, very well, uh, where mm-hmm. they, so like often in, a, in, a, in just my experience in this case, when, when a customer is, I'd, I'd say every time I've ever, ever had a customer who is, has this expectation where they're like, all right, I get this, I get this, why am I not getting it? Uh, it's in the contract and I ha- and the contract has to come mm-hmm. out now. They are usually very irate and uh, not so much listening to reason. And the kind of the first thing that I try and do, uh, and I've seen people do this very skillfully, is bring down the temperature of the situation. Because here you have this customer yeah. who is likely screaming and just like wanting to be heard. And, they, and like you matching that, like you're going to have potentially an, mm-hmm. like, you're going to be feeling defensive and going to want to match that uh, energy, but yeah. staying calm, like speaking slowly, acknowledging, like for, at the very first, acknowledging them. I I understand that you expect that uh, we're going to be providing you fifty blog posts a month. That <laughs> that's <laughs> quite a bit. Pause. <laughs> like pause. Like, like I'm just making right. this up, but like speak slowly, speak evenly, and like have this sensible tone in you. First, I acknowledge the acknowledge what they are saying, and he's screaming, and I understand that this is what you're looking for. Um, I can pull up the agreement if you'd like. I, I've reviewed it. I've talked to the, I've talked to your account manager and the mm-hmm. salesperson. I'm looking at the agreement in front of me right now, and it does not say that it doesn't unfortunately it does not say that you get 50 blog posts a month that you get a uh, five blog posts a month right. i'm happy to i'm happy to and then charting a clear path forward yeah i assure you that we can deliver you great results with great and great quality work with these five posts a month not 50 um and right. we're we are keen to work with you to ensure that you get this uh, get these this great results from us kind of so acknowledge at first you know acknowledge them and at all the time keeping this even tone um, not getting defensive being very i guess neutral um yeah. understanding where they're coming from and then trying to move this forward in a positive direction um, saying like, here's what we're going to do now and giving them the roadmap forward so they can first yeah. cool down, then come on board and then let's move forward. That, yeah. that won't always work. That will not always work. You will, you will it'll still, no matter what, sometimes no matter whatever best efforts you have, you will occasionally have a, uh, client yeah. who is, does not stand to reason. Um, but these techniques that I've, I've implemented and seen other people do very, very well, they can help in many situations. And yeah, sometimes it's like the best you can do. Um, you are, uh, you know, you're pointing them to the, to the right place. And if they like, if you have the contract and they have the contract and they're saying the sky is green and you're like, well, it says here, the sky is blue. Uh, then what, what, what can you do? Um, but no matter what, from each conversation, from every conversation in custom, with a customer, I always try to make sure that we're moving things forward at the end. Like if I'm waiting on them for something, right. like 
all right, please let me know if they're waiting on me. And, and it's like, yep, I'll get that to you. Right. I, I'm acknowledging this. I will get this to you. I will follow up with you then. And I have a reminder and I will follow up with them. And we're moving this all forward no matter what and not being stuck on, on where we're at yeah. today. Now, that's an excellent point, you know, that, that you mentioned is this, and, and you were really speaking to reason, uh, which is a really good point. You know, uh, <laughs> I have to share, share this because um, I've talked about it multiple times, but six, seven years ago was my experience mm. with lawyer marketing. So um, this mm. was prior to starting Razor Sharp Digital, um, actually was, was doing some lawyer marketing. And um, let's just say that the reason method that you just described did not work at all. <laughs> 99% of the time. And I think a lot of it is, and, and I don't, I don't know, maybe it was, you know, poor approach to it. I don't know, but, mm. um, I, I agree with you is just that, you know, uh, people appreciate reason and logic. In fact, um, one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes is, mm. you know, business is 90% logic and 10% execution. So, you know, the way you think about things, the way you go about them and in marketing specifically, because like you said, there's millions of marketers out there. So like if you're not delivering on SOWs and if you don't have good customer service and, you know, if you're not building relationships, like for me as you know, my clients are my family and I treat them that way because I believe that if you don't, you know, they're going to find another marketer that's, that's going to do that. And uh, especially in these you know, tough financial times, you know, right now. So mm -hmm. that was a good point. But, you know, talking about reason is this, I agree with you. It doesn't always work. But at the end of the day, is this that would you want to do business with an unreasonable client? <laughs> well, that, that's a, a different, another, another topic entirely, but I definitely sure. like, and I, and sometimes, you know, you're everyone, like we're all doing our best efforts here. We're we're following the best protocols and procedures and you can still have a bad client. Um, and sometimes personally for you, the best thing you could do is fire that client. If a client ever like yells at yep. you or a team member, that's where you draw the line. Say, listen, I, uh, you know, we have appreciated your business, uh, but you have yelled at a team member of mine and we are not comfortable working with you anymore. Um, yeah. so we are going to like, I understand that you have a six month contract with us and it's been two months. Um, we are going to, we are not going to, uh, require any payment for the remaining months. Um, we are going to give you all the deliverables that we have and we are going to move forward. Uh, and that will be it. And like, as a, you know, as a business owner, as a manager, you have to, you know, uh, especially for your team, it can be incredibly demoralizing if you have a just a bad client and you keep them. Yeah, yeah, uh, <clears throat> absolutely. And um, you know, we could keep talking about customer service because there's just really you know yeah. so much um, that you know we can talk about, and there's so many different different aspects. But uh, I wanted to bring up actually a very fun tidbit that a lot of people actually don't know about you is that. Um, you're very good at trivia and I have have won a few trivia night competitions is what I hear. Who told you that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess in, in the before times, uh, pub trivia was something I, I used to enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know if you ever watched Jeopardy, but uh, years ago sure. when, when Ken Jennings made his historic 70, 
475 game run. Uh, he was like this big celebrity. He uh, went to came to a local community college and did like a talk and uh, did like a quiz bowl trivia kind mm-hmm. of thing with a couple of people. And he was signing autographs and he signed for me a dollar bill. And so I had a, a Ken Jennings signed dollar bill and it was a really nice. prized possession of mine. Um, yeah, but uh, if uh, if you're ever into trivia let's let's get let's get a virtual team going yeah absolutely absolutely you know something that's really fun about trivia well something that's really cool really about trivia too Mm -hmm. is that um there's so much factual information that you learn about that and honestly uh i know the average american is not into that kind of stuff because trivia is just not you know, it's not controversial. It can be, but it really isn't. You know, it's more educational. And yes, people like education, but they also like entertainment as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's got to be like a good blend of both. So and I agree with you. Is like, in fact, the, the limited uh, interactions of trivia that I have had have actually been quite fascinating because I would go like, wait, I didn't I didn't know about that. You know, like, yeah, I, that's a fun fact. Like, I learned something today. Because let's face it, we live in a world to where like, how much do you actually learn on a daily basis versus how much you consume, mm-hmm. right? Because you consume a ton of information, but 99% of it is not necessarily good for you or beneficial <laughs> for that matter. So um, Andy, I really enjoyed the conversation, man. Let's uh, throw out some handles, some websites. How can people connect with you uh, if they want to mm-hmm. chat with you some more? Sure. Uh, thanks, Ivan. So my name is Andy Cabasso, and I'm pretty locatable on the internet. Um, I don't think there are any other Andy Cabasos out there. On Twitter, it's at Andy Cabasso. On LinkedIn, it's Andrew Cabasso, because that sounds a little more professional. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> you could find my website. It's uh, postaga.com. That's postaga.com. Uh, my website, and that's my company, and it, it's a SaaS tool for helping you do link building and email outreach. Um, it's an all-in-one. It's great. <laughs> that's my. That's what I'm working on. And uh, you can also find I have a, a link building and SEO Facebook group called Grow Together SEO, and recommend awesome. checking that out as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all those plugs. Um, yeah. Make sure people that, that can find you. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Ivan. Bye.